0: Welcome to the Church at Bradenton podcast, where we are finding strength for today, hope for the future, and the courageous joy to bring others along. Let's join our pastor and church family as we share teachings rooted in God's Word from our weekend gatherings.
1: Welcome to the Father's Family Table here. Yeah, I, I am here with my sibling in the Lord, my sister, uh, Pastor Sarah. She Good is morning. our children's pastor. So Sarah, share with us your heart uh, about the family table.
2: Yeah, so we've challenged you all this month to eat together as a family once a day without the devices to try to be present with one another. And there's a bigger purpose to that than just eating a meal together. For us, uh, for our family, it's been one of the ways that Brian and I have built a strong connection with our kids. Um, It hasn't always been an easy process. And so, um, you know, we didn't always make the family table a priority. In fact, we used to have one of those cool coffee tables where the top lifted up to table height. You've probably seen those. And we got in the habit for a long time of just eating in front of the TV. Uh, Sometimes as a family and sometimes we just park the kids there and we'd go into another room and enjoy a few minutes to ourselves or work on tasks around the house. we, We knew it wasn't the best thing to be doing, but it was just, quiet and easy. And uh, we kind of got into a bad habit. Um, And then about five years ago, Brian and I started to recognize that we were having some major communication issues in our marriage. We had been super busy doing really good things, working and raising kids, but we had grown apart in the process and it was having a pretty negative effect on our family. I'm not saying our dinner habits were to blame totally for this, but it really didn't help. That was an opportunity to connect that we were missing out on. So at that time, we made a lot of changes, and one of them was making it a priority to eat together as a family. And um, that presented some challenges to work through we've got a range of children range of age children at home and so working that through that with them was somewhat of a challenge so thinking through what i could share this morning i just wanted to share with you the things that work well we've done a lot of things that don't work very well but (laughs) we've got a few bullet points in our notes like pastor tom said that um, hopefully will be helpful there's some practical suggestions in there that are pretty self-explanatory but we will just kind of go through them here somewhat quickly. So, number one, make the time. Our, ki- our time with our kids is, is really limited, so just making the time to be present, put away those devices, and there's some tips there to help you save some time. Um, get everybody involved. It's really a team effort to get to the table at the same time with everybody ready to eat. And moms, we can tend to be the stragglers in this area because we're getting everybody's drink or cutting somebody's food or, or whatever. But in our house, we've kind of made it a rule that we don't pray and we don't start eating until everybody's there and everybody's ready, which means the kids pitch in. And that's just something that you practice over time and it gets easier. Pray together. This is so important. Um, such a, such a uh, great opportunity to lead by example for your kids to pause in the busyness of the day and to put your focus on the Lord and just thank him for what he's provided at the table. Reminding our kids that he is our provider. He's our sustainer that we are here because of him, um, inviting Jesus to the table with us. And because kids learn by example, right? And this takes practice. For our family, the the table was where our kids prayed out loud for the first time. And that can be a little intimidating for them. And if you've prayed with kids for any amount of time, you probably know that they can get in a prayer rut where they kind of say the same things every time. So we try to encourage our kids to just expand a little on that or <laughs> give some suggestions. So, But you'll hear more about praying with your family and how to get into God's word with your, with your family more next week from Pastor Andrew. So he's going to be team preaching as well. Okay. Um, work on table manners. Manners matter. I um,
1: have my elbows on the table. Yeah.
2: So. <laughs> you know, kids kids don't automatically just know how to have good manners and it can feel exhausting sometimes but just like sticking with it and reminding them and have the mindset that you're teaching them. You're not, It, you know, you're, you just have to provide that guidance for them. Um, connecting with each other. So today, um, we have some conversation starter jars for you. It's a little gift for you out in the lobby. Uh, because conversation doesn't always come naturally. Sometimes you just it's fun to just answer some questions together. So our kids have a lot of fun with these. You pick a question out and just go around the table and let everybody answer. So some of them are super silly. Some of them require a little more thought. But we've got... Those out in the lobby for you so please take one. Um, We would love for you to do that and hopefully it's just a fun thing for your family to do. Um, I did want to mention our ParentQ app. This is an app that we have that's part of our Orange curriculum and it's Pretty cool like you download it and you search for our church the church at Bradenton and you can put your kids in there and their ages and it will give you a weekly update of different ways that you can connect with your kids questions you can ask and stuff and it has um, a countdown clock so their thing is that from birth to graduation you have approximately 936 weeks with your kids which on some days can feel like a lot. (laughs) But um, for example, my my 10-year-old now, we've got like 400 and something weeks with him, which is kind of sobering, and it helps you realize that your time time with your kids is really valuable. Um, But that's a good app. They have a lot of ways to connect on there. But it's really all about communicating with your kids at the table. You know, our understanding of the world is rapidly changing and their reasoning, the way they process is rapidly changing. They're coming up against a lot of untruths in the world that we want them to come to us for answers to those questions. So you want to keep the communication going for them and help them work through that stuff. And the family table is a great place to do that. I put on here, we save lectures for another time. We just try to, like, we might pick up on something at the table that "Mm, we probably need to talk to that one later on, but in general, unless it's some kind of behavior that's happening right in that moment, we try to save the correction for another time, try to keep it light and enjoyable. And the last one is just lighten up. Um, You know, parents, we've got so many pressures on us so much on our mind, but we can really set the tone for our family. Um, just bringing in some humor can lighten the mood for everybody. And we want to try to model the attitude that we want to see our kids have, which is easier said than done some days, but, um, just being mindful of that. And like I said, Brian and I are perfect at these things, <laughs> but these are the things that, that have helped, um, because the world is, constantly just pressing down on our families. And as parents and grandparents, we need to press back and protect that time that we have with our families, like Pastor William talked about last week, to really create the time and the space that our families need to be healthy. In fact, that saying, you can't be your kid's friend I get what it's trying to say, but I believe that you can and you must do both. Be a friend to your kids. Let them know that you're there for them no matter what. That you think they are awesome. But always be the parent. Always say the hard things and do the hard things that you need to because they need that guidance. And. Um, They need those boundaries, they do. So making this time around the table with family matters because when your connection is strong with your kid and yourself, the correction that you need to bring will be tolerated and you can have a healthy relationship with your kids that lasts. And that's what we all want, right? Is a healthy relationship with our kids that lasts. So to answer Pastor Tom's question, what are we feeding our family? What are we providing at the table? It's really an opportunity to build our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And we don't want to miss it. Amen.
1: Amen. Good stuff, Sarah. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, Sarah, thank you as, yeah. as well. We, we don't say this enough, but what you and, and Brian bring to the table here uh, at TCAB Uh, it's more than children's pastor it's 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 families and uh, it's just it's just so good to share the family table with you guys and really what what Sarah was saying here uh, is that it's more than really just eating Um, it's about so much more we're not just filling our stomachs but it's it's our hearts and so Saint Paul really steers us in this direction as families and and I want us to uh, to, to really dive into this uh, the first couple of sections of 1 Corinthians chapter we are uh, just going to summarize a little bit here. But again, you have the notes, uh, so you can dive in just a little bit deeper if you would like to do so. Again, if you didn't get those notes, they, they are available for you. But in the first few verses, um, it, it really sends us the message that we eat together. We eat together and that we are what we eat. And and it's very interesting, uh, the imagery that, that is here. When we look at these first four verses that we read just a little while ago, what Paul is referring to is the exodus out of Egypt. And the cloud represents the very presence of God that followed them, and they all passed through the sea. This is a foreshadowing of baptism, of baptism. Let, let, let me tell you, just give you just some simple instruction how to read the Old Testament. It's really ra- rather simple. You will rarely go wrong if you'll do this. Always look for Jesus. Always look for Jesus for the gospel because everything in the old testament is kind of a shadow of the things that came to light in jesus christ in the new testament so in these first four verses we see paul reminding the jesus followers the family of god in corinth about the exodus and the lessons that were learned there it says that they all ate the same spiritual um, food that's the manna that fell from heaven and they drank from the same drink, you know, when when Moses, when he spoke to the rock and the water came forth that, that would, would, would hydrate and and give all of God's people something to drink. That rock is Jesus Christ. And you put these two together and they are the Eucharist, Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, remembering together the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and everything that was happening during the Exodus was pointing to the Messiah, pointing to Jesus Christ. And it was basically saying this, and, and wow, do we need to, to hear this today. He was saying to his, to his people then, and he's saying to his people today that I am with you in the wilderness of this life. He still is, amen, he is with you in your wilderness. Let, let's, let's look on in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 5-15. I'm tempted to, to just preach on this, but verse 5 says, Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. In, in other words, they, they had a crisis of faith. And they turned to some different directions, and we see some examples that Paul gives as a reminder, Paul gives really as a warning to the Jesus followers in Corinth, because here's what we know about Corinth. Can I give you some context in Corinth? If you wanted it, you could get it. If, if you wanted it, you could get it in Corinth. As a matter of fact, as we'll see in a few minutes, they kind of had a saying, hey, um, it's all good here in Corinth. It's all permissible. You you just be you, and whatever you want to be, and whatever you want to want to do, whatever you want to get into, it's all good here in. Corinth, and we'll see that here in a few minutes, but Paul was sending out a warning from the heart of a loving father that says, hey, remember what happened in Exodus chapter 32 when they decided, when they got a little patient, they couldn't wait for what Moses was bringing down from the mountain. Anybody ever spoiled their dinner? Anybody ever ever spoiled any, anybody? Right? You, you're just so hungry, and, you, and it's just one cookie, right? And, and then the, the next thing you know, you, you've spoiled your dinner. They couldn't wait for Moses to come down from the mountain. So they made their own little G God out of gold. They bowed down and they worshiped. And it only cost them 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And that entire generation, save Joshua and Caleb, would not inherit the promised land. That's a pretty stern warning not to trade what God is bringing for what is on the menu of the world. And and it, this was so important that he gave another example that we don't have time for here but it is found in numbers chapter 25 and Baal worship remember I said that if you wanted it you could get it in Corinth and for that matter in Ephesus and in Rome and, and in other places and and so the followers of Jesus were tempted those that came out of this kind of worship and those that have never experienced it they, they looked around and said okay um, they mix their worship uh, with some pretty wild stuff. And so I, I, I see some younger kids in here, so I'm going to keep it rated G. Um, but they mixed their worship um, with the desires of the flesh. They did so back in Baal worship, and they were doing that like crazy throughout the Roman Empire, and um, it was basically licensed to be whatever you want, with whoever you wanted, however you wanted, uh, and say that it's pleasing to the gods, and the more that you participated in it, the more the gods would be pleased, and there were some that were following for this abomination And God says, let let me just remind you of of what happened when they tried this um, back in Numbers chapter 25. It didn't go well. As a matter of fact, 23,000 in one day and 24,000 of God's people overall chose the way of the world and they, they perished. What was he saying? He was saying what he said to the Jesus followers, to God's family in the city of Galatia. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, don't, don't fool yourselves. Don't, don't, don't deceive yourselves. God can't be mocked. Whatever you sow, you are going to reap. And I love you enough just to remind you of this. So let's see what else is on, on the menu. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let, let's really dive in uh, beginning in verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people, so judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we, are all, for we all partake of one bread. Consider the people of Israel." Are not those who eat the sacrifices par- participants in the altar? He's referring to the Levitical priests. What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what the pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of Demons, You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than Him? Hmm. Family of God, we we can only sit at one table at a time. And, And we should always be asking when it comes to what it is that we are consuming... Who made the menu who's doing the cooking who set the table anybody that has been around very long at all in the culinary arts knows something and and that is that all food is soul food right there is, just, there is just something in the food that comes from the soul of the one that, that put their heart and soul into it. And where there's a lack of soul in the food, then you would say, oh, that's just, that's just bland. It's just, there's no soul in that food. But just understand, whatever you're eating, all food, it is really soul food. Now parents, I want to key in on something that Pastor Sarah reminded us, and, and that is parents, you are responsible for setting the table for your family, for picking the menu, for what it is that your family is consuming, what your kids are being fed. And abandoning this to the world Is not God's design saying well what my kids see what my kids get into is their business you know when they're in their in their teen years and and I gotta tell you that's absolutely nuts it's wrong it's messed up don't don't do that they need to increase in their role of responsibility the older that they get but 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 never not engage young people Young people that that, that may be listening online, those of you that are in the house today, let me make something crystal clear to you. I'm looking around, and and most of you are are around your junior high and senior high that are in here. You are responsible, and you are accountable. You're in here not to be treated like children, so as your elder brother and, and your pastor in the Lord. I'm just going to tell you like it is. You're responsible. You're accountable. You have reached that age of accountability. Not sure what what age that is very early in childhood where we become responsible, solely responsible for our soul state, but it comes about early, but I'm looking around here in the house and I can say with confidence, that's you. What am I saying? I'm saying together as families, we are responsible for what it is that we are consuming because the saying, well, there's more truth than there's not truth. We are what we eat, what we consume, if we're not careful, can consume us. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? That with language, my goodness, language is, is, is amazing. Isn't it interesting that when we look at our platforms, um, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook for the old people, um, Twitter, right? You know what we call them? Feeds. Social media feeds. Most of it's self-serve, right? And it has never been faster food and more convenient and just like Corinth you know what social media is social media is 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 a metaphor for Corinth and for Rome and I, I dare say Babylon itself it, they, 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 you can feed and you can feast on whatever your soul truly desires? What are you feasting on? What are you feeding on in your feeds? What is being fed? What is being offered at the family table in your home? Pretty good questions, right? Did you ever think about that? Social media feeds. And I know we can't be there every literal moment, but but we must all stay engaged. We cannot turn this world and any part of it, cyberspace, over to the enemy. Why? Because demons are cooking stuff up. Demons are cook- did, did what? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Should we provoke the Lord to jealousy? I mean, we just got a warning as to what happened in the Old Testament. When we did this as a people, do we think that we're stronger than than God? Hmm. I want to call your attention to, to something that I gave you about three weeks ago and this is available for you. We made more copies. It's it's back on the table in the lobby and it's simply called Rejoicing in Jesus. It's a piece uh, that I wrote many years ago and I updated every year and I spent some more time on it this year. It's called Rejoicing in Jesus. I call it that because scripture is clear that the joy of the Lord is our strength, but the subtitle is, is the, a, a biblical response to everything occult. Everything that is anti- Christ. Everything that the demons are up to and they are into and they are cooking up for humanity today. And by that, I mean you and your family right here. And scripture is absolutely full of this. From Old Testament to new, the 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 calling it out, and and the warnings and the instructions, they are all there. Why? Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood as as the Spirit spoke through Paul to the family of God in Ephesus. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me break that down for you. Principalities are governors over certain spaces, certain areas, like we have, we, we have council people that are over this district and mayors that are over the entire town and governors that are entire over the entire states and presidents or kings that are over entire nations now there is only one being in the universe and the enemy loves for us to forget this that is both omnipotent all-powerful omniscient all-knowing and omnipresent everywhere at once and that is not the devil hallelujah His scope is limited, but it is more powerful than we know. And because he can't be everywhere at once, he has minions. And that's the best that I can say about them. They're called demons. And they are given principality. And I need you to go over here. And I need you to be over 43rd Street and and, uh, 26th Avenue. And that's your area. And here's what I need you to do. I need you to go and be and do your worst and share those lies. Just whisper those lies, mind you. You know what? I'm I'm going to preach too long on this, and so let me just read you an excerpt. Let me read you an excerpt from from what I share in this, because I'm afraid some of you you're, you're not going to pick this up, or you're not going to just just forget everything else I said. If you would just read all of the, the 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 incredible amounts of scripture that I provide for you, but what I try to do is just break it down. I, I broke it down. I was really thinking of our young people. I was talking about it a lot with Pastor Andrew, and and something that that. Uh, just just simple questions. so I asked some very common questions about all things occult. And given the season here of Halloween, I, I thought it was it, it's always appropriate. and so here's here's a simple question that we've all heard. Most of us have thought, maybe some of us have said this out loud. when it comes to the occult and, and demons and, and all of this stuff but but I'm not into it. it's It's just fun. I mean lighten up, pastor. Actually, if you think about it, it's making fun of the devil and evil. So if you think about it, it's really a good thing. You know, like everything around Halloween. The only problem is he isn't playing. It has never been just fun for the devil. And he isn't making fun of anyone in return. Jesus tells it like it is in John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've I've been asked this a lot over the years. Steal what? Kill what? Destroy what? Steal our joy because he knows the joy of the Lord is our strength. Kill our hope because when someone is hopeless, it begins to destroy their very soul. We're playing. He's not. The devil and evil also don't need any more recognition or promotion. There's that old saying that all press is good press. For followers of Jesus, the recognition and promotion is always Jesus Christ and his kingdom for his glory. Besides, we are messing with powers and on a scale and on a playing for, not of God's choosing. Rather, we are playing on the field chosen by the enemy when we mess around with the occult, who is very happy with all the promotion through what people call merely fun. Harmless entertainment does not always directly result in something more sinister. Evil wouldn't announce itself in such obvious ways, and of course, we would never fall for it, would we? Have we? The subtle door to evil is often disguised as harmless fun and grows from mere fun and fascination to complete obsession and ultimate possession in very subtle but intentional ways. Simply, simply do not go there. C.S. Lewis described it this way from the perspective of the archdemon in his uh, novel, The Screwtape Letters, which was very much allegorical to real life, lots of stuff symbolizing what is really going on in the real world that we live in. And he quotes from the demon's screw tape. Indeed, as he is mentoring a lesser demon over how to fool all of those, how to take all of those that he has been given principality over, charge over, influence over in his area. He says... uh, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle, slow, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Followers of Jesus, we are to be into all things light and day and not darkness and night. And, and I go on and on and on. And I do so without apolog, uh, apologies because the enemy is, in my lifetime, has never been more in our face with evil. In the redefining of humanity, in the redefining of everything we find in Genesis, the redefining of, of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to, 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 to the, the sanctity of marriage itself, redefining the very value of human life and doing it with, with a brazen boldness that we have not seen since these New Testament days of Rome and, and the evil to be found in Corinth and, uh, Corinth and Ephesus and Thessalonica. And it is, it is here and it is now. And we're winking at it. We're, we're passing it off. And, and the fight is real and it is waging now. And it's only over the souls of our children and our children's children. We're just having fun. He's not. Lord God, Holy Spirit, help us in these dark days. I thank you, Jesus Christ, that you have come, that we we might have life and have it to the full. That your word is is true and says, submit yourselves then therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will be the one to flee from you. Ours is the victory in Jesus Christ right here and right now. And there is no force and there is no power in the heavens or on this earth or under the earth that can usurp the power of Jesus Christ. Verse 23, verse 23, 1 Corinthians 10. Let's get back to it. Let's land this plane in the next few minutes. So remember I said that they had a saying in Corinth? Here's what they said. All things are lawful. It's all good. All things are lawful. But what Paul responds in the Spirit, he says, yeah, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you decide to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of of conscience. But if someone says to you, well, actually this this, that you're about to eat, it's offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I, I don't mean your conscience, but rather his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything that I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many. Whatever it is that is on the menu in your home, whatever you are cooking up, whatever is at the table of your fellowship among those that are in your circle of influence, your family and your friends, you need to make sure that you can sing the doxology over it. The the word here for glory is doxa in the original language, and it means dignity and honor and praise and worship. I loved this growing up, and I loved this practice. I, I suggest it to you. Um, we did this, Elizabeth and I, and and Andrew uh, over the years when he was growing up. We did this uh, growing up. Matter of fact, I'm going to get to my, my dad turns 84. Happy birthday, dad. Shout out to you. They're, they're watching. I'll see you late tonight. Um, turns 84 and I'm going to get to spend a couple days with them and we we've got to do this for old times sake. I love doing this. And and we would just all be at the table much like Sarah described earlier and we would all hold hands and and kind of waiting to see what God would 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 choose, would we recite the Lord's prayer together, what would we do? And and then dad would just start singing praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? Praise Him, all creatures here below. Fewer and fewer people know this. I'm going solo. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Right. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This was our favorite part because we all chose different parts. And it was, Amen. The doxology has been around for a long, long time, and every once in a while we we would sing this. And what I'm saying is if you can't sing that over what you are about to feed on, then don't bite it. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Um, It's a poisoned apple, it's Turkish delight. It is not for the discerning follower of Jesus Christ. Is it spiritual health food? In other words, don't eat something uh, that will prompt the gag reflex. Now we're going to get sacred. We, we, we're really going to get sacred now. This is, this is going to be good. Turn with me to the end, which is just the beginning of forever. Revelation chapter 3, just a few verses, uh, 14 through 16. And to the messenger, the angel of the church in Laodicea, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, the the, the spirit of Christ says to you, I know you, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I would rather that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will, now that's just gross. You did not come here to hear your pastor gag, dry heave. I don't think you'll forget this message though. Emeo is that word. We, we were very euphemical in our translation here in the English language. Emeo was, was the word that they used in the common tongue for throwing up, barfing, pitching your cookies, retching, whatever you call it, right? I, I mean, Sarah, you said we should talk about real stuff around the table, and, and, and nothing tastes worse than food that is supposed to be ice cold and, and, and it's not. I mean, that ice cream sundae, 20 minutes later, it's just, ah, uh, right? And food that is supposed to be hot, but it's not, it's just not. And God is saying, let, let me make a point for effect. Either be hot or not. But because you're either one, I'm, I'm gagging here. Don't gag God with what you're feeding on. You say, How does it gag, gag God? Because, as followers of Jesus Christ, there has been a spiritual transaction, and, and the throne of our souls is inhabited by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His spirit dwells within us. Don't eat something that's gonna make him gag. Thought for sure there'd just be this huge amen right there. I can pause for amens right there. What's? Are we hitting a little too close to home this morning? Maybe, maybe not. I know it's real. Um, since since uh, two thousand and one, I've had a cranky pancreas. Uh, yeah, yeah and 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 your pancreas controls the insulin and 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 does all that stuff and and you you can you can replace some pretty vital body parts they haven't figured out how to do that with a pancreas and it's just it's just uncool young people it's just there's just nothing good about it and so the first time I was hospitalized for about a week in, in 2001 with a cranky pancreas um, when I got on the other side of it I came to about five days later and when I ended up out of the hospital, they hooked me up with a dietician, and they basically said, hey, here's what's on the menu. I remember her words exactly. If it looks like cardboard and tastes like cardboard, Tom, it's for you. Okay. I begin to translate that in my own way. Okay, so if it comes out of cardboard, pizza is actually delivered in cardboard. Big Macs. Um, and here's what I've discovered in... I know, hon, you were so right. Uh, Been doing pretty well lately, up until a couple weeks before this last week. Um, It is a a quite effective weight loss plan that I would not recommend to you. Uh, But I had a cheat meal day, cheat week. Okay, two, two or three cheat weeks. And when that happens, and and I think that I can eat what I want, when I want, how I want, Uh, as a 53-year-old with a cranky pancreas, uh, it sends a shot over the bowel. And sometimes it is a pain that goes from here right through to your back and there's nothing that could touch it. And and then at the very least, it is just a nausea and you can take whatever you want. It can lessen it, but it's not going anywhere until the pancreas says, uh, when you stop playing around, I'll stop playing around eat clean I've been eating clean (laughs) well I ate nothing but but drank water and then and then and then clear liquids over about four days and and then eating clean and I always say the same thing don't I babe I'm never going back I'm never gonna do it you know Paul had already written to the family of God in Corinth uh, just a few chapters earlier than the chapter 10 that we're in. And, And he had just finished saying this to them, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Lord, that you were bought with the price, what was that price? The blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What are we feeding our families? Why does it matter? <laughs> because it's all soul food. Paul concluded, we, we almost finished it, and, and I bet a couple of you a couple of you saw that. We didn't finish the chapter and we didn't on purpose. Let's finish it with just that last phrase in verse 33, "Just as I try to please everyone and everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. God is inviting us to His table every day to feast on His presence, remembering His body and His blood. How are we setting the table of our home? What's on the menu? May we be content with nothing less. In everything that we consume, including our feeds, maybe especially our feeds. And may we receive nothing that we cannot receive with Eucharist, uh, with thanksgiving sing from the depths of our souls as we enjoy it together as as individuals and as couples and as as families as the family of god praise god from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below praise him above ye heavenly hosts praise father son and holy ghost
0: thank you for joining us today at the church at bradenton podcast we would love the opportunity to pray with you Contact us through our website, tcab.church, and click the contact tab. Or email us at infotcab.church. If you like the podcast and want more, don't forget to subscribe to get new content each week. And please, feel free to share it with others.